But I do want to say some, a couple things. Uh, just, you know, everybody ex experiences the snow and ice. And it was in the chapter when God was speaking to Job about his mighty power. And he said to Job, have you entered the storehouses of snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of hell? You know, just a little water and a, a little lower temperature, God can stop us in our tracks. That's all it takes. He's powerful. And he's in control of it all. We need to give him praise. Because in Minnesota, it's 8 below zero. By 9 o'clock tonight, it's going to be 21 below zero. And by tomorrow morning with the wind chill, it'll be 50 below. They can't cancel school until further notice. You can actually get frostbite in less than a minute and a half and lose the, your fingers and your ears. So uh, that's cold. So you ought to be praising the Lord about a little bit of cold weather that we have. But Brian Gill's going to be uh, preaching the Word of God this morning. Brian, actually, you may not know, Brian's already an ordained uh, pastor. Uh, he's already been to Bible college. And uh, I asked him uh, for the new year that he, if he'd come and put something together for a New Year's message, and he said he would. And I'm glad he made it here this morning because he, he didn't make it here for Sunday school, of course, with the snow and ice. I can understand that. And uh, so I was saying, okay, I may have to preach today. But he did walk in, and he is here, and thank the Lord. So let's uh, get our Bibles ready. Turn to First uh, John chapter 5, verse uh, 13 to 21. And Brian, come and share God's word with us. for me. We have just begun 2014. We will face many uncertainties this year. What will happen to our jobs, the economy, our health care options, our health, our investments, our relationships, our cars, our homes, etc. Thank you for turning to 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 21, and I'll be preaching from the NASB this morning, actually my new NASB. These five Christian certainties will encourage and challenge you to persevere in your Christian walk this year, no matter what happens. These certainties are guarantees to genuine believers. These Christian certainties will empower and motivate you to faithfulness in 2014. These truths are clearly seen in our biblical text today by the key word, no. These following five expressions that I'll be using are, ex are exposited from the Bible, and they are quoted from John MacArthur's excellent commentary on 1 John. Genuine believers can be 100% sure of, one, eternal life, two, answer prayer, Three, victory over sin. Four, that we belong to God. And five, that Jesus Christ is the true God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be uh, glorified in, in the preaching today. In Jesus, we pray that you're magnified in the, in the preaching. We want to we see you high and, and lifted up. And Holy Spirit, uh, help us to uh, listen carefully and, 
and, uh, and, and worship as we hear, hear the word. Help us understand it and change it, change our lives uh, w- with it. Make it stick. And I pray it will make a big difference. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For perspective, let's briefly consider the book of 1 John as a whole. The theme of 1 John is basic test for certainty of salvation. In other words, do you know that you know that you know that you have eternal life? If you are saved, you will pass these three tests. Sound doctrine, joyful obedience, and sacrificial love. There is a repetition of these three tests in the book of uh, 1 John. What is this repetition to? It's to examine the truth from various angles for maximum insight and impact. This book was written by the Apostle John primarily for this reason, to encourage real Christians to know that they have eternal life and thereby to be encouraged to persevere in the basics, the fundamentals of the faith. 1 John was secondarily written as a warning, a wake-up call to counterfeit Christians. The counterfeit Christians are deceived with their false profession of Jesus. These people have a dead faith, a spurious faith, a non-saving faith. These false believers fail the three tests that the true believers pass. False believers do not embrace sound doctrine or sound teaching. False believers do not consistently and joyfully obey God's commands. False believers, false converts, counterfeit Christians do not express biblical love to true Christians. These false converts believed the false teachers. These false teachers, they even cause confusion doubt, and uncertainty for some of the true believers. Therefore, the Apostle John writes with pastoral concern for the various churches. He wants to protect the flocks from the various false teachers. John also writes for polemical or argumentative reasons. He writes strongly against the false teachers and their false ideas that were harming these churches. Specifically, the false teaching interfered with the joy that true believers have of knowing for sure with certainty that they have eternal life. The first Christian certainty is located in 1 John 5.13. And I'll be reading the sections of Scripture as we go along today. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This Christian certainty is assurance of eternal life. The phrase, these things, refers to the entire book of 1 John. Dear brethren, here are some of the things that you have embraced wholeheartedly. Knowing that you have deep conviction about these things assures you that you have eternal life. You have a biblical view of Jesus Christ. Here are some things concerning sound doctrine about the person and work of Jesus from 1 John. Jesus Christ is God the Father's Son. He is called the Word of Life and Eternal Life. Jesus was revealed to the apostles physically. Jesus is the perfect human. You know that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Yes, this is the incarnation of Jesus that we celebrated at Christmas. Jesus, God the Son, took on human flesh that had no sin nature made possible by the virgin birth. You know that Jesus never sinned. He is righteous. Furthermore, you know that Jesus is the Christ. Christ means anointed one, the coming one as prophesied in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the title of Christ means Messiah. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you know that Jesus Christ is the only propitiation for your sins. 
Propitiation. Love that word. Propitiation means substitutionary, satisfactory sacrifice. Jesus' death on the cross for your sins, for his people, what did it do? Satisfied God's justice for sin's punishment. Jesus propitiated, his death absorbed, his death turned away forever, incompletely, the righteous wrath of God the Father's holy hatred of all the sin that will ever be forgiven. You know that Jesus is your only Savior from sin's penalty in power. You know that the only way to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. You have an inexpressible joy knowing that you have a forever fellowship with God the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, in the family of God. Your happiness is not based on what happens to you this year in 2014. You know that your happiness is built on what has already happened on Mount Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. You know that your joy is based on something that will never change. Jesus. You know that your joy is in Jesus. Amen? Our first certainty for Christians, we who have had our sins forgiven, is this. We can be sure we have eternal life. Our second certainty we can be sure of is this. Answer prayer. Please look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. But please notice there are conditions for God hearing our prayers favorably. The first is salvation. This connects verse 13 here with verses 14 and 15 and following. Only Christians have a prayer line, so to speak, to God. Only true believers have access to God. The book of 1 John teaches us another critical condition for confident communication with our Creator. Confident communication in prayer demands a non-condemning heart. According to 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, a condemning heart means that your conscience is telling you that you are not living right. We need to live right if we are going to pray right. What would cause a condemning heart? If you have unconfessed and unforsaken sin in your life, your heart will condemn you. If you have not repented of a particular sin, your heart ought to condemn you. Don't misunderstand me. Praise God that Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Positionally, judicially, you are declared by God to be not guilty for your sins because Jesus took the punishment for your guilt on the cross. Be admonished, though. Unconfessed and unforgiven sin, what does that do? It puts spiritual static, so to speak, in your communication line with God. Psalm 66, verse 18, warns us, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. To pray with confidence... What should you do? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at 1 John 5, 14 again. We see here that effective prayer is made according to what? According to God's will. Where do we, where do we find God's will? In the Bible. Martin Luther said that to pray well 
is to have studied well. He was referring to studying the scripture. In John chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you are letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, guess what your desires will be? The answer is in Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Your desires will be God's desires. The certainty of salvation and the certainty of answered prayer both bring joy. In parts of John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Answer prayer fills our hearts with fullness of joy, with joy unspeakable. This is one of the stated purposes of the book of 1 John. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, quote, it says this, these things we, ha we write so that our joy may be, may be made complete. Notice the phrase, he hears us at the end of verse 14. Hears us means God hears us favorably. Listen carefully to this quote from a notable Bible commentator that puts perspective on this idea of God hearing our prayers favorably. Prayer is not convenient, is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God or for bending his will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to his. It is by prayer that we seek God's will, embrace it, and align ourselves with it. Every true prayer is a variation on the theme, your will be done. Our master taught us to say this in the pattern prayer he gave us and added the supreme example of it in Gethsemane. In such prayers and only in such, he hears us, unquote. We see the word if in verse 14. This word if here points to the conditions for answered prayer. The word if in verse 15 however, is different. It's not conditional. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. The word if here is used in a more causal sense. In other words, if here means since or because. Notice the term whatever in the first phrase of verse 15. It's very important that you're following along in the NASB this morning. Of course, whatever comes within the parameters of praying according to God's will from the previous verse, according to God's word. The second part of verse 15 is so motivating and encouraging. This is our second Christian certainty, certainty of answer prayer. We know that we have the request which we have asked of him. Be persistent. The verb for we have asked points to persistence in prayer. Keep on asking, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Jesus also gives us the ultimate reason to pray and enjoy answer prayer in John chapter 14, verse 13. The glory of God, God's glory, and our joy are united. Consider again the phrase, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. This does not mean that God's perfect view on what is favorable is always the same as what we view as favorable. Here's the deep part. The verb, we know, is actually in the present tense. 
This means we know immediately by faith that God will answer all such prayers to his ultimate glory, in his perfect timing, in the way he sovereignly chooses. We cannot fathom this profound truth. But we will, here at Calvary Baptist Church, we will joyfully pray with confidence, with assurance, with boldness. Anyways, we have just briefly considered a general encouragement to pray, certainty of answered prayer. Now, in verse 16, we are encouraged to pray for something more specific. And we are discouraged, but not prohibited, from praying for a specific group of people. This text is challenging, to say the least, for us to interpret, but it was probably more readily understood by John's original readers. 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. I do not say, oh, pardon me, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. A few interpretive questions are, what is the sin leading to death? What type of death is this? Is, this, is it a spiritual death or a physical death? Consider the first phrase here. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death. My first thought is the beginning of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. All sin leads to spiritual death and hell forever. For anybody who is not a Christian. So you might think that this death must refer to physical death of believers. We do have biblical examples of God's judgment on unrepentant believers. Here God says, in effect, enough is enough, and he brings the Christian home to heaven. One reason for this would be to maintain the purity of his church. I need your 100% focus on this section of uh, preaching right here, if you're going to follow. <clears throat> However, a stronger case can be made from the immediate context in the context of 1 John as a whole against the physical death view. For example... How can we possibly see another Christian in a particular sin and determine that God will or will not strike him dead? That's a powerful question. That knowledge is only known by who? By our all-knowing omniscient God. The view that spiritual death is the intention of the author is more likely, I'm not saying that dogmatically, but is more likely the correct interpretation. First, brother does mean a real Christian brother here, in the first part of this verse. The word death refers to spiritual death in the book of 1 John. The term life refers to spiritual life in the book of 1 John. But what about the term life in the next phrase in verse 16? He shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. How can life be given to a brother who already has spiritual life? My answer is that the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. Jesus refers to having life abundantly, life in his fullness in John chapter 10, verse 10. This is life at its best, the abundant life of fullness of fellowship, of fullness of joy with God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ, and with the fellowship of believers. 
Moreover, consider the immediate context of answered prayer and how motivating and encouraging that is. We are a community of believers. We stick together, and we ought to know what is going on in each other's lives. That is the only way we're going to see a fellow brother or sister struggling with a particular sin. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, our text says, a true believer will pray for other true believers. To do what? To repent of that sin, to therefore receive forgiveness of that sin, and thereby receive fullness of fellowship with God and other believers. Praying for each other here at Calvary Baptist Church is an expression of love. This expression of love is one of the main assurances of the genuineness of your salvation, according to 1 John. Here's the point and application of this section of Scripture. We know for sure that when we pray for a brother to repent and ask for God's forgiveness, God will answer this prayer in His perfect timing. This is praying according to God's will and for His glory. And I have to say this. I know this, is, this very short biblical thought process raises additional questions. That's okay. This text is famous for its difficulty. And by the way, that shows that you are thinking. I suggest you go to 1 John and the rest of the Bible, into Bible commentaries, etc., and pray for your answers. However, the point of this text is for us to confidently pray for our brethren to repent and be faithful to follow, to abide, to persevere in Christ as their Lord. What about the last part of this verse? There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. First time in the whole epistle he uses the word I. That's interesting. Again, death most likely is referring to spiritual death. Can a brother commit a sin that leads to spiritual death? No, a resounding no. We have eternal security by God's grace and the forever Family of God. Look closely. This last phrase of verse 16 does not overtly say we are talking about a brother here. See, who are we talking about? And what sin are we talking about that leads to spiritual death? Bible scholars debate different biblical options. For time purposes, here's the most likely sin that leads to spiritual death from the context of 1 John. These are the people who have left the congregation to follow the false teachers, the Antichrist, the liars. These people, and especially the false teachers they follow, are not to be prayed for, listen carefully, as a priority. John does not prohibit prayer for them, but he discourages it as a priority. Why? They could not pray with certainty, with confidence that God will save people who are so opposed to Jesus Christ in so many ways. The false teachers that John blasts throughout the book of 1 John are probably hardened beyond repentance. John is saying, don't focus on these antichrists in your prayers. However, as an application for us today, we should never give up on praying for anybody for their salvation and I would add, especially people we know and have contact with. Two quick points about 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. 
All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. John is driving home the point about us praying for our fellow believers. This accounts for the third repetition of there is a sin not leading to death. And just in case there's some misunderstanding about the seriousness of sin by the repetition of that phrase, John writes, all unrighteousness is sin. Sin must never be taken lightly. A mark of a true believer is that he takes sin very seriously. How serious? In the beginning of verse 18, the Bible says, We know that no one who is born of God sins. Sins means practice sins as a lifestyle without godly sorrow and repentance. With a very short time remaining, I will simply introduce the last three certainties and end with John's uh, seemingly surprising admonition in the last verse. These last three certainties for Christians, they actually summarize the points that John makes over and over again in the book of 1 John. I'm going to ask you to do something. Please don't think I'm crazy. Please read 1 John today, or at least as soon as possible, to see this and be blessed. The third Christian certainty is victory over sin. Victory over sin. We get that from 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that no one who was born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. A lifestyle of sin is impossible for genuine Christians. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Praise God. We have been radically changed with an implanted desire to pursue righteousness as a way of life. Jesus is righteous. And we follow him by practicing righteousness. That's one of the things we want to do in 2014. So Jesus will be magnified in our lives. Glory to God that Jesus, he's the righteous one. He keeps us from unrighteousness. Notice the second part of verse 18 in the NASB. But he who was born of God keeps him. The NASB appropriately capitalizes the pronoun he. And this helps us to see that Jesus is being referred to here. Jesus was born of God is simply another way of emphasizing his uniqueness as in the, phrase, as in the phrase, only begotten of the Father. We are empowered by God and motivated to be faithful to God. Jesus also protects us from the evil one, Satan. Satan wants to touch or harm us. The devil wants us to sin. But Jesus, our Savior, is not only a Savior from the penalty of sin, but he is also a Savior from the power of sin. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood avails for me. I think of 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. We have victory over sin because 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 tells us that the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. We do have victory over sin. You can experience victory over sin this year if you're a Christian. You can. It's a certainty. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Our fourth Christian certainty is located in the next verse in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we belong to God. We know that we are children of God. This certainty is a very, think about it, that's very comforting. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Genuine Christians do not love the wicked world system that is dominated by the wicked one. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scripture, what do we do? We swim vigorously. We swim upstream against the power of the evil one. Now, in sharp contrast, children of the devil, including counterfeit false converts, what do they do? Float downstream happily, going with the flow of the evil one. Our fifth Christian certainty is in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. We know that Jesus Christ is the true God. We know that Jesus Christ is the true God. Amen? 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. We know that Jesus, the eternal Son of God the Father, has come. We know he has come. Jesus has given all true Christians a supernatural, a deep understanding. To do what? To embrace the Father as true. We have access to the Father because we are in Jesus Christ. All genuine believers know this, embrace this, have personally experienced this. Proclaim this. Anybody who distorts the person and work of the biblical Jesus is an idolater. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, warns us tersely and sternly. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. This ending seems out of place, but it's not because the specific idols within the context of this book is the idolatry of the false teachers. Dear brethren, reject the false and abide in sound doctrine, especially the good news of the gospel, the forever forgiveness of all your sins. How? By repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We love your word. It saves, it sanctifies, and by your word, we can be the people that you want us to be in 2014. I pray that armed with your word, we will be faithful, we empowered by your word, and motivated to be faithful to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in 2014. Help us to be strong in you, God, strong in the scriptures. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, who like uh, helps us to know what is true and what is false. So help us to 
to persevere in 2014. I just pray that Jesus will be magnified every day this year. In his name I pray, amen.